0: Twenty-one. wow what a ride it's been um we are now coming out of what looks like the end of wave three in canada uh the first wave was a massive thing and then the second one was bigger than the first and of course the third is now bigger than the second so we're now fully coming out of it slowly but surely our vaccines are being rolled out um i think we've now crossed the 50 percent point Um, And now even provinces are looking at discussing how we're going to reopen. Um, I believe Calgary, sorry, Calgary, Alberta is one of the first to completely come out. And I think some people are concerned by the speed with which Alberta is considering coming out of lockdowns. Um, Calgary is still going ahead with the stampede. So if you're interested in that, July 9th, I believe, till I think the 16th or 17th, something like that. But anyways, so Calgary is considering doing their stampede with a few COVID restrictions. One of the cool pictures I saw this week was the Fenway Park where the Boston Red Sox play was almost full with people. Um, So that was nice to see. So clearly the US have found a way to rule out their own situation and open up. And of course, we in Canada are still taking our sweet time, of course, for the right reasons, understandably, to take some time before we get on the way. I'm fully expecting uh, Canada will slowly but surely and obviously different provinces will start rolling out the second dose of vaccines. I think right now it's only healthcare workers. So healthcare workers are now eligible to um, move forward their second dose of the vaccine. And I think they've also introduced second dose um, vaccines for those who took the AstraZeneca vaccine and also people who are 80 plus can now also um, bring forward their, their appointments for the second dose of their vaccine. So, positive signs here and there um, i'm hoping of course to get mine before july uh, if i can do that that'd be amazing you get at least a significant chunk of the summer with a 90 something percent um, vaccine situation um <laughs> so yeah if you get 90 something percent you know less concern about covid i think someone becomes lit in that scenario it's gonna be nice gonna be super cool and i can't wait for it one of the things that i know will happen of course um is people will just ignore the rules anyways before that happens. I think now that I'm in Toronto, I'm seeing a lot of people obviously in parks and everyone's coming out. Uh, I think people have just been in lockdown for far too long, far much longer than we ever expected. And of course, this is a once in a century kind of thing. So I don't think anyone was particularly prepared for, some, for a situation like this. Uh, people are now out. Uh, it's one of those things. So for me, the interesting thing on my mind this week has been Banking. Um, banking in this part of the world has just been re- relatively, straightforward. Um, as you can imagine, even while we're in, um, lockdown, banks were essential services, so they were still open. And of course, a lot of, you know, what happened in Canada thereafter was fueled by banking. So once the lockdown happened, I think everybody, if you were, 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 scared of what would happen in terms of financial situation, how would they get paid, um, how would people get money, um, you know what would happen with real estate could people would it become cheaper and what have you what have you and I remember one of my friends was was intrigued by the idea that okay you know what now that there 's a lockdown and people can 't work, housing prices might drop and initially i I can see that but i I felt at the time that maybe it 's possible also that those who have money will just snap up everything for cheap, and so it would end up sustaining those who can afford versus those who can't afford. Turns out I was even wrong. I think it just fueled a buying frenzy that quite frankly, I don't think made sense. Like everywhere in Ontario became a housing bubble or quote unquote. Everyone was outbidding each other for houses. Of course, what ended up happening too, obviously was downtown Toronto ended up becoming very, very expensive. Why? Well, people were leaving their condos. They needed space to work. So if you needed to get a place that could double duty as your house and your workplace, it made sense to have more space for a home um, that would give you an office and the rest of your house. So you had to just step away from... Your downtown Toronto condo life or your condo life, wherever that was. A couple of people who were millennials moved back home, which is an interesting um, trend from the COVID situation. A lot of people who were millennials moved back home, uh, moved back to stay with their parents because their parents were just, you know, had big houses and had the space. So you can welcome back, you can go back home, you can live with your parents. You don't have to, you know, take care of food and what have you. That is provided by your parents. So cost of living has gone down, quote unquote. And if you lived with a spouse, well, you went and bought a place. So, And if you had children as well, you went and bought a bigger place. Because, you know, now you're going to deal with the children and everybody in your family 24-7. Quite frankly, your break at work is straight up with your family as co-workers. So it was a very interesting dynamic to see how COVID went. And, of course, the banks fueled a lot of that by providing mortgages. And, of course, the Bank of Canada reduced interest rates to balance the... Um, the situation obviously providing cheap money so that people could borrow and continue spending even though um, we were at home. Of course, the idea there being if there's cheap money, people will borrow and spend on essentials, right? So people spend on essentials by staying at home. They wouldn't need to um, you know, spend on travel and what have you. And so you wanted to give people an easy way to have access to money by lowering the interest rate. Well, as you can imagine, low interest rates and people now having the same amount of income, especially those who could work remotely, then they moved to far flung places and just started outbidding each other, and so all the housing prices across Ontario went haywire. Um, of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was in Ottawa as well, and I got to see this firsthand. Um, I knew even before the pandemic there was um, lines out the door to buy homes. There was lines out the door, um, and the banks themselves were more than happy if you had the income, <laughs> you had the income, you had the capacity you want to buy a house, you've been a long time client. Why not? Why not? And as you can imagine, the top five banks have gotten much, much richer as a result of the pandemic. And of course, I don't get me wrong. I, it's not their fault. Like it's not, they didn't cause the pandemic. It is, it is not on the banking sector at all. The financials had nothing to do with COVID. I fully get that. However, imagine being in that sector and everybody's just spending through the roof. Um, all the stress tests and all those things. I mean, you can easily pass it for sure if you have the right income, especially if you're in a double income home. If you're in a dual income family home, the income is not the problem. (laughs) The income is not, is really not the problem. So, you have situations where houses that used to cost 300,000 back in maybe 2016 and are going for 800K. I mean, that's a five year difference for 800K. I mean, I, bruh, like it's wild. It's wild what's happening across Ontario. And, you know, the top five banks. So, of course, for those who are not familiar with Canada, because I know I do have some listeners who are not in Canada. So, there are five major banks that play in Canada. Uh, to list them out, RBC and TD are the top two. Then you've got CIBC, that's Canadian Imperial Bank of Canada. Uh, sorry, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, I believe it is. Sorry, I said Canada twice. Um, Scotia Scotiabank. And I believe the last bank is Bank of Montreal. So there's a top five, top five. There's also National Bank, which is also strong out of Quebec, but it's not really considered top five. It's more like a six, but it's, you know, a six with an asterisk. So you've got these five banks that generally control most of Canada. Most of Canada banks with these five. Of course, there's some credit unions underneath. Um, there's some other provincial banks like ATB in, in Alberta. Um, but again, the big five across the, the you know, country have I've already listed out. So I remember when I first joined, when I first came to Canada and, you know, joined the economy here and I had to, you know, get registered. And I believe it was TD that came to us to help us get registered, took our passports and, you know, just so you can get some ID, get some things going. And so in my mind, you know, TD had come to me as my first bank and I always felt that they would, you know, do what's best for me. Because I mean, these guys are so nice. They came to meet me to meet me for banking? Oh my goodness. I, you know, these guys must be super cool. I would literally realize that obviously banks are not in the business of caring about you. Like it's not, and obviously it's not personal. It's not, um, <laughs> it's not like I think they really hate me, but banks are not in, in your, in, your um, in the taking care of you business. They are in business to take care of money. It, that it just happens to be with you is essentially what happens. So 20, 2009, Got signed up with TD. I'm like, cool! This is my first bank. Anytime I need anything, TD is going to be my, you know, go to. They're going to help have my back this down the third. And I remember so later when I discovered, you know, you need a credit card to build your credit, and I started to understand what the credit systems. So yeah, we're like, I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay, so I'm gonna to go to TD. Um, they're gonna give me a credit card because I mean, I need a credit card. I need to build my credit." And they're like, "Nah." I was like, "What do you mean, nah?" They're like, "Well, you're an immigrant, so it's gonna be it's a high risk profile for us." I'm like, "But." but you're my bank. Like, what do you mean? Like, you can see money comes into my account. You can see how much I make. You can see how much I get sent. Like, you know me. Like, what do you mean? Like, just give me a credit card. It's not that much. You're like, okay, well, we can, but you have to put up, uh, what, $500 for a security deposit? And then we'll give you a 500 credit card. I'm like, so you're going to hold my money and make money off me through a credit card? Like, well, I mean, it's not really that way, but it's more like, you know, if you can't pay, then we'll use the $500 to pay for it. That's kind of how it works. And I was like, but I'm, okay, okay. So I'll give you money so I can spend money so that in case I can't pay my money back, you use my money to pay it. And like, yes, but then obviously I've collected interest already. So like I could, well, I mean, this doesn't really make much sense. So, Lucky for me, I went and discovered this other guy called Capital One, um, who extended credit to me. I think it was a three hundred dollar credit card at the time, with no um, security deposit down. So that was the first credit card I ever got, Capital One. So every time I see what's in your wallet advert, like, even though I'm no longer longer use them anymore because I've I've gotten past that now, um, I still, you know, rate them because they extended that opportunity to me, first credit card and. I understood, I learned so much with that credit card, it was 300 bucks. Um, didn't put myself in too much hell. And luckily for me, it was a good limit to learn on um, what a credit card does, how it works, the, the bill payments and things like that, how to avoid interest. It was really nice, it was really nice. It was, good. It was a good credit card company to start with. So Capital One was my first one. And then I remember again, um, I wanted to, I had discovered this thing called TFSAs and RRSPs and what, what was that? And so I walk into the branch again, uh, my bank T D because again these are my guys. I'm thinking, you know, they're gonna help me out. Hey, so I want to open a TFSA RSP designer third. They're like, oh, um, so yeah, sure. I mean we can open it. Um, but what do you want to put inside it? Like, are you trying to put a high interest savings account or open up a mutual fund? I'm like, what is that? They're like, oh, well, I mean, it's a way for you to, you know, contribute towards your retirement. I'm like, again, I'm a young person, I'm like, okay, cool, I guess. I have to do retirement. Like, why am I putting retirement money in here? And they're like, "Well, that's kind of what it's for." Like, oh, okay, cool. And then I remember asking specifically, "Okay, so, quick question. That's a curiosity because these things you're saying are kind of starting to get a little confusing." Um, if I wanted to get someone to help me out to understand what is going on, um, do you know how I could do that? And they're like, "Okay, well, if you want to have personalized advice, you need to have at least one hundred grand invested." do you have 100 grand? Hey God. And then again, I know he, wasn't, he didn't intend by saying that to, to almost like, you know, be mean, or then it was like, so essentially what you're asking for is we provide, yes. So yes, we can give you personalized advice and, you know, explain anything you want. However, you need like a 100K buy-in to get that. Other than that, you know, you can just call one of us on the phone or, you know, Google it, that kind of thing. And so I think that was the first time I was like, damn, Bruh, there's, there's levels to this thing, man. Like a hundred grand? Woo. Oh boy. Um, I, I had, even if I sell everything I have, I don't think I'm going anywhere close to hundred K. Like Jesus Christ. Um, so anyways, that said, I realized obviously T wasn't going to help me. So I figure out whatever the mutual fund was. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, the mutual fund thing, how do we set it up? i like, okay, you think you, had, you needed $1,000 to start and then you could contribute monthly. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do that. And I will contribute about 50 bucks. I was like, 50 bucks won't harm me off my paycheck. A year later, I cashed that thing because I, I, I needed the money. <laughs> I thought I wouldn't need it. I thought, I really thought I needed it. So that was the end of that mutual fund with TD again. So at this point, I'm like, okay, cool. TD is usually my, my go-to. my go But then at some point, I'm like, okay, how about I try other banks? And I remember one of my friends had told me, before I even opened up that mutual fund with TD, Tolu Banks are not in the business of making you money. They really are not. I said, like, but they're a bank. That's what they're supposed to do. I was like, he's like, nah. Banks are not in the business of making money. And I, I remember at the time, I felt like he wasn't. Like I understood he, I understood what he was trying to say. I understood the perspective he was trying to bring to me. But in my mind, and what I understood a bank to be, I felt like a bank will make returns, sure. But they will give you some as well. So certainly, even though they, it may not be a lot, they'll still give me some return, something. But again, as I discovered, nope, that is really not their business. So the moment you realize and accept that banks are in the business of making themselves money, you're okay because then you can use that greed in, against them, essentially. Because that's how you will make money. Understanding where the bank's greed lies and capitalizing off of that that's literally what it comes down to so coming master's program to lose looking for money again where do i go first you guessed it td so i remember i remember the td again first time um hey guys um, i'm going to do my master's um can i borrow some money i've seen that you guys have some products here line of credits that could you know give assistance to a professional student what are my options and so they looked at some options with me and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we can do this. We can do that. Okay, what school are you going to? I let them know what school I'm going to. They're like, oh, oh, really? Okay, I mean, you should have said that to start. I'm like, oh yeah, that matters? And they're like, yeah, because different schools have different uh, programs available to them from banks. So I'm like, okay, cool. But first, let me go shop this around. Now, what I haven't spoken about was the all the times that TD had essentially spurred me or spurned me, I should say, sorry, spurned me. Um, they were like, I was like, okay, let me go check another bank. Um, if if TD can't do what I need, then maybe another bank will. Because at this point, I'm like, these guys have all my history, but I have all the documentation. I can just take it to another bank, and we'll do the same. Enter RBC. So I remember I was working at this place in, on Moody in Ottawa, Moody and Kinnata or somewhere like that. And there was an RBC branch at the bottom of my building, and I always gone past it, to work, leave work every time I'd gone past this RBC branch. And so one day I walk in, I was like, hey guys, um, so I work upstairs, I'm just curious, if I wanted to open up a credit card with you guys and I wanted to, you know, open up an account, what does that look like? And they're like, oh, sure. Um, can you give us your, your um, information, this, that, and that, like, you know, your salary, this sort of thing. So we put it in, they're like, okay, so just give us an ID on the spot, they open your account. They're like, okay, we'll set up a, an appointment with you. When are you available? I mean, I work upstairs. Like literally when is the next available one? Like, okay, tomorrow at 12. Brilliant. I believe if I remember correctly, within a week, they gave me a credit card. They gave me a line of credit. And I I was like, I I don't really need this, but thank you guys. And this was before I was doing the student thing. I'm like, thank you guys. And I went back to the city. I'm like, hey guys, can you give me a credit card? And at that time still, I was still, and international, because now I was on a work permit, I wasn't yet a permanent resident, and they still wouldn't do it. And I was like, but RBC has just given me a credit card, a line of credit, this was a personal line. And you guys that I've been banking with for how many years are still refusing to help me out. So anyways, I walk away from TD after the student line, back to now the most recent timeline in the story. I walk away from TD being like, okay, well, this is your offer for a, a professional student line of credit. I go back to RBC, not only do they match it, they better the interest rate, they better the balance. And they're like, all we need from you is, you know, your offer letter. And we already have your banking information. We're good to go. And I was like, no way. So for me, RBC has always come out better than TD for me, other than, you know, just getting my initial banking information. Obviously now I can't get away from TD completely because my parents have that banking information. And I feel like if I had to close it, it would just feel like a, all right, guys, well, I have to let you know my new banking information in Canada. So anyways, and even though they've never, they've not used it for like maybe a decade now, I feel like I should just keep it just in case, you know, my parents just like wake up one day, like, you know, totally. you look like you can use, (laughs) you can use $200. Yeah. I mean, I I know that will not happen anytime soon ever, (laughs) but I like dreaming. Okay. I like, I like waking up with dreams that people give me money for free. Anyways. So, that's my experience with TD. Now, at this point, I want to talk about CIBC because now I've banked with as, as many of them as possible. So TD has done me pretty okay. RBC has done me decently. And at this point, I'm going to bring in CIBC because at some point, when I finished my master's program, I actually got an offer to join CIBC as a bank. Now I remember CIBC being such a cool place. I liked their culture. I liked everything about them. But unfortunately, I couldn't take their offer for, for other reasons. And so I opened up an account because... Obviously, part of their perks as employees, you had you know better banking rates and etc. and etc. etc. So I'd open up a CIBC account, and I was just like checking in on it, checking in on it every once in a while just to see okay, um, what does CIBC offer compared to all the others? And then one of my friends who had joined CIBC, I was a financial advisor. I remember when I was trying to buy my other one of my, um I was trying to buy uh my house. I was like hey um is there you know any service we can provide you i'm like oh yeah funny enough i've been shopping uh, mortgages i want to buy a place shopped it at, at a shop to that td Shopped to at rbc of course who are my primary bankers and i was like yeah so if you know if cibc has anything they're offering i'm all is he's like oh say no more so asking for my information again we do the same thing i say no all my information banking this that, and the third and what do you know cibc beats all the offers from the others and so now I'm like, okay, okay, so <sighs> are you guys really good to be like this? Like every time I'm going to do something, like all of you are just going to be beating and matching each other. Is that, is this the thing we have to do now? And I recognize, yeah, I mean, you might as well. If you are at any point trying to do anything and you feel like you are stuck with one bank because that's who you know, bruh, go, go to all of them. If you have to check with all of them. And now if you're worried about, okay, my credit will drop. If you do them in a short amount of time, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. For whatever financial thing you need, shop across all of them. It is always in your interest to shop across all of them. Why will you be saying, okay, no, I'm loyal to TD because I've been with them for like four or five years. It doesn't matter. These guys don't care. They're going to make money off you, off the next guy, who cares? RBC is going to do the same thing. CIBC is going to do the same thing. Now, I'm going to bring in Scotia and Bank of Montreal because those are the last two. I currently do not bank with Bank of Montreal. I do have um, a savings account with them and I have a credit card with them that is essentially dormant currently. Um... And I once had a line of credit. Actually, do I still have a line of credit? I'm not even sure, but probably. So, Bank of Montreal, of course, when you have credit, um, a lot of banks have access to your information. It's just one of those things that Equifax and TransUnion do. So, I remember, they offered me a pre-approval, this and the third. Okay, you have a pre-approval, you have a pre-approval, you have a pre-approval. So I walk into a Bank of Montreal. Um, hey, I got a pre-approval. What's up? It's like, oh yeah, sure, we can open it up right now. So on the spot again, I got a credit card, line of credit, and I opened up an account. I'm just like, I'm just gonna leave some money here just to sit. Because why not? Let me just see what you guys are going to keep offering um, and take it from there. So again, all of them were now giving me offers separately, separately. Now, if I had known what I know now, at the time I only offered across TD and um, RBC for my standard line of credit. And I think I, was, I also shopped with Scotia, but Scotia couldn't match TD. So if you can imagine if Scotia couldn't match TD and RBC better TD, then you see how this is all going. So I already knew it for the most part, like, Scotia generally just won't match all the others, at least for me. Um, so I've just generally not bothered with Scotia. I think some of my friends have used Scotia, and they say some pretty okay things about them. I know they did. They got to go with my friends with scene points. But of course, now with the pandemic, that scene strategy is, wow. I can't even imagine what it's like to have scene points now when you can't even go to theatres. But anyways. Um... The others, which had offered me, um, you know, air miles, airplanes, all those kind of things, I was like, I mean, even now again can't even travel with them. But lucky for me, because the points were still accumulating, um, I remember one time I had to fly to Ottawa quickly and fly back to, to Toronto, and I just had points, so it didn't really cost me much. Back to my story. Um, so CIBC enters and matches this mortgage situation, and I'm just like, what is this? Like is are you going to force me every time to shop across all of you? So CIBC has turned out to be probably the best most recently. We're talking about most recent behavior towards me. CIBC has just come through. Um, I I, I can't even explain it. And now I even have like a, you know, a financial advisor I can call directly. It's like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And I still, remember initially I told you that TD had said, okay, well, if you want that kind of, you know, assistance, you have to have a hundred grand. Just for the record, I do not have a hundred grand invested with any of these banks. But that notwithstanding, CIBC has now essentially dedicated somebody to me that I can call at any given point. I can just email them at any given point. And it is like the coolest feeling. Um, <laughs> like there are i was like, okay, I'm thinking of doing this. Does this make financial sense? Like, yeah, sure. Um, based on, you know, the information we have, this, this, and the third, this is what we would need. This is how we would go about it. And for the first time, I feel like, I'm not the only one making financial decisions about my life. And again, I still remember properly that banks are not in the business of making me money. They are not. They're based on making themselves money. So, if my making money makes the banks money, then they're obviously interested. So, essentially, it sounds to me, based on everything I'm doing with CIBC, that I'm making them some amount of money, understandably, and I don't even blame them for it. They should make as much money off me as they want. But as long as they are making me money, our greedy interests are aligned and I'm okay with that. So that is my quick spiel on the top five banks currently in Canada. A bunch of them, just you just got to be careful, man, because obviously they, they are going to be as ethical as possible, certainly. Um, but the key thing, obviously, is to acquire knowledge as you're interacting with these guys. Understand what each one is trying to do. Um, shop around your decisions, man, because these guys have zero shame in matching or outdoing each other. Zero shame. They have no no issues like oh here here's my offer from someone else cool we'll match it cool we'll beat it cool this is no shame so if you are concerned about your financial situation at any given point feel free to walk into any branch and just have these guys match or beat each other because quite frankly the game is the game the game is just the game and with that ladies and gentlemen i will catch you in june peace